In the shadow of the most powerful city in the world, the Capital Golf Gang is on the air with instructor John Ronis from the Ronis Academy at River Creek, executive director of the Middle Atlantic PGA, John Gould, and former University of Maryland golfer, Ron Thomas. And now your host from Afternoon Drive on the Team 980 Radio in Washington, D.C., Steve Zabin. It is a remote edition of this week's Capital Golf Gang, and we've got the gang all here, but they'll be going single file by telephone this week as we recap the PGA Championship and the incredible come from behind. Extra holes win by one Justin Thomas. Our pleasure to welcome on John Gould, the executive director of the Middle Atlantic section of the PGA of America. Good afternoon, Johnny. Again, kudos to your organization for not just a great venue, not just a great tournament, but this move to May continues to be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, it's really worked out well for timing. It, it didn't work out well for me because it was difficult for me to get there this year, so I wasn't able to go. But I think, uh, as a rule, it's pretty pretty good. I agree. It, it's really good. It just uh, you know, sports leagues get slotted into their usual schedules, and it's often hard time is hard for them to sort of modify that greatly. And this move took your organization's tournament, which had always been that kind of afterthought and played in the sweltering months of August. Of August, yeah. Where you couldn't find a venue in the country, except for maybe California, that wasn't steamy and thunderstormy and soft and, and right. soggy. You couldn't find almost a spot limited, to play it. Yeah. Right, almost limited us to the northern courses, correct. Yep. Exactly, and it's been moved to May, which is great. So great tournament, a great venue as well, you know. When I heard Southern Hills, I said, ah, because I hadn't thought much of it since they last played a big event there. I did not know about the major Gil Hance restoration that right. uncovered many, many, many linear yards of creeks and water hazards that had previously been buried in drainage pipes. I was totally blown away by that. Yeah, and, and obviously they got a little creative. Uh, Kerry Hague's the best in the business. You know, our tournament, uh, let's see, he's a senior director of tournaments or something like that, chief tournament officer, I think it is. Right. Uh, but, you know, it took a little bit of creativity to, uh, you know, ex to expand the yardages a little bit, you know, which we all thought going in. I'm sure, you know, I'm not sure how this is going to work with the tees so close to the greens and going over some places, but it really didn't have to prove to be a problem. There were really no issues, yeah. significant issues anyway. And, you know, the course looked great for me. I also wondered, I said, in that part of the country, is a Bermuda grass course going to look good at that point in May? And they obviously got it up to speed and it looked fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So Couldn't agree more. Good, good all around. Now, uh, let's talk about uh, the winner, Justin Thomas. You know, son of a PGA of America professional and uh, has just taken his game now to a whole new level. I saw a chart that compared him to Jordan Spieth, and he's pretty much neck and neck in total wins, earnings. He's just one major behind now, three to two, and he's on a rocket ship right now. He really is, and what what I what I have grown to appreciate, and and I've been a you know Justin Thomas homer on this show many times, sure, because I always refer to him as the son of a PGA professional, and uh, actually what I didn't know, I just learned this week that Cameron Young is also a, a 
a son of a PGA professional. But regardless, uh, what has been really neat about uh, Justin was just the shot maker he's become. Yeah, you know the the the, the a couple of the overlays that they they showed on uh, I think it was not on the uh, TV coverage but in the on the web sites afterwards where you know he's hitting a low uh, cut here and he's hitting a high draw there and he's you know just some pictures of the of the flight pass was really really cool to see yeah the drive on 18 on the 72nd hole a yep. low driver that just ran forever was amazing to see the fact that these guys can hit shots like that at full speed with their longest club in the bag under pressure is beyond my comprehension. And the best part of that was we heard the conversation with Bones beforehand. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm thinking about. And and Bones kind of coaches him up, gets him in the right frame of mind. And then we see it happen. You know, it's one thing to just they they you know uh, uh, snap to the camera and we see him with, taking his uh, club back. But to hear the conversation and then have him going out execute was really cool. I thought. Right. Right. Uh, there was a very funny Club Pro Guy video about poor Mito <laughs> Pereira in which he <laughs> Club Pro Guy said, okay, he pulls out driver here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you got, ice cream in the car? Like, let's talk about this for a second. What's the rush? Yeah. He said, what's the yeah. rush? Talk about it and go maybe three wood because worst case scenario is we get a five and we're in a playoff. So Bones made a difference. And, you know, Bones comes off of television after five years of getting a sweet paycheck every week, no matter what, what his guy does, because he doesn't have a guy. Right. And right. he says, I'm back in the game, I'm back on a bag, but he said he would only do it for Justin Thomas. And that's a high compliment from a guy who's caddied for a guy like Phil Mickelson. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm sure part of it, you know, after uh, hearing about some of the book excerpt, excerpts, you know, part of it was was just the kind of guy Justin Thomas was, but sure. but also – the player that Justin Thomas was. And, you know, you don't want to go back for a guy that's missing cuts, right? So you want to, you want to be there for that. You know, as, as I guess Bones told him on Saturday night, Hey, you're in the mix every week. So stop beating yourself up. You know, well, that's why Bones wanted to be on that back. Cause he's in the mix every week. <laughs> yeah. The other thing was, and I, this might be a first John, but I think this is the first time a major championship winner has ever shanked a shot on Sunday because that's what Thomas did on the front nine on a par five. He shanked a five iron. There's a shot tracer video to prove it. He ends up making par, but he says, look, this is a great lesson to hang in there and don't let one weird shot freak you out. Yeah, I mean, well, we obviously don't have TV coverage going back over the years, but I would, I would hazard to guess you're correct. And it was it was the par three six that, it, that he shanked it, oh, it was off a par, the tee. It was a par and, uh, three. And, yeah, and he a made a bogey. Five. No, he oh. made a bogey, and he said it was the best. He made a twenty footer for bogey. Oh right. Uh, okay. he, he hit it into the crap, uh, and then you know <laughs> just managed to get it out. Then get out of the green and made a twenty footer for bogey. But you know, he said that was kind of what kick started his day. It was that was that bogey. We have a guy on our trip. We just got back from Myrtle, uh, Brian. Well, you know Hatcher, uh, Brian yep. Hatcher, and Hatcher has the funny like when it comes to Shanks, he laughs and he goes. Shank a link. He finds Shanks to be hilarious, and he 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 revels almost when they come about. And he's hit Shanks, but uh, I hit two Shanks in a row on our golf trip, and I hit lots of bad shots, John, as an amateur. I yep. generally don't Shank, but they are the most mysterious and frightening things that happen. You just like, oh my god, what was that? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I got a case of the Hazel Rockets myself probably, I don't know, 10 years ago where, I mean, you're staring at the ball, you're staring at your club and figuring out how did that just happen? And then you do it again. And it's got to be the most aggra- aggravating thing. I went to, I was actually happened to be uh, uh, near one of our club pros and I ran over and said, you got to fix this right now because it's crazy. <laughs> right, uh, fix and, this. And he, yes, and he, he basically had me hit a bunch of pull hooks until I snapped out of it. You know, that, that was kind of the, the way he helped me, uh, you know, not not lead with the hosel. So yeah. they're kind of uh, like it's always good. They're kind of like golf's version of the hiccups. Most yeah. of the time, they go away after a bit, and there's a lot of homemade bromides to fix them. You know, drinking water, right. holding your breath. But every now and then, there's that case of doctors mystified. Woman's had hiccups for 43 years. You pray to God that when the shanks come, they are like the hiccups, and they don't stay for 40 years. Right, and some people won't even say the word. You know, I they know. just just saying the word is is a bad mojo that might bring that back on them. So yeah, yeah it's kind of funny. But yeah, to 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 your greater point, yeah, you can overcome anything, right? He overcame a seven stroke deficit at the start of the round, eight stroke deficit sometime uh, in the middle of the round, mm-hmm. and he overcame a shank. So I mean, you know, that's why you got why you keep playing. I thought when he missed on eighteen, that was that, that was it. I thought you know he hit a be- beautiful shot on the seventy second hole, and he was just going to come up a little bit short. Um, but you know, yeah. things worked in his favor. So the three hole aggregate playoff, uh, I think is also a great way to determine the champion. It's, uh, a compromise between sudden death, which can be perhaps a bit quirky and unfair and a full 18 hole playoff, which the PGA never did, or if they did, it was years and years and years ago. The U S open did it. And they of course had an 18 hole playoff at Southern Hills, uh, back when Retief Goosen, Goosen won, right. uh, against Scott Brooks, I believe it was. It was a while ago. But either way, I mean, look, it's a it's a good format. Do you like it? And uh, is there anything about it that you would perhaps tweak? No, I do like it uh, because, uh, to your point, you know, the, even if you – you know, the, certainly the 18-hole playoff is a truer test of who's the champion going to be. But nobody can watch it on Mondays. You know, the TV coverage is spotty. You know, nobody plans for it, all that stuff. Mm. So I do like finishing on Sunday night. The sponsors and the and the spectators, everybody wants it to be done Sunday night. So that's good. Um, so I do like the three-hole playoff. I loved the holes they picked this time. Uh, you know, and I'm it sure was, it was because of the convenient loop, but it, but yeah. the variety of the holes. The, uh, it, it, was, you know, it, was a, it was 13, which was a par 5, right? Yep. Followed yep. by 17, was it? Right, the drivable par four. Right. And then a tough, tough, hard par four in 18. 18. So I thought it was a, a great combination of, of holes. Um, you know, and, and we got we got some birdies, but we had a chance for disaster too. We if you watched all Sunday afternoon like I did, there were plenty of disasters on those holes. Maybe not 13 as a mm-hmm. par five, but but you know, it was still I mean, Justin had to had to lay up. So, you know, that 70 yard uh, pitch shot, which is not, not too many people's favorite. Uh, you know, he nailed it. Yeah, he was a deserving champion. Also, when uh, when he tapped in to win, uh, someone said to me, "They go, doesn't he have to wait for you know Zalatoris to finish out?" And the answer is no, because it was a playoff, and you don't need to have your opponent actually finish. Right, right, right. It, it, I mean, it's it's not match play in terms of a concession, but yes, the, he could not win the three hole playoff because he had already accumulated more strokes than than JT had. So, yeah, there was really no reason uh, uh, 
to to finish for for Zalatoris. And there's no, it's, it's not match play where it was conceded. It's just and there's no way to win. Right. So and, and he's no, not going to drop out a second. Right. right. He's not going to go to. Right. And there's no uh, there's no signing of the card after the playoff either. Correct. Okay. Correct. That, that's yep. see that, that's interesting. You would yep. think being a three hole aggregate, you'd make guys sign for their three hole card. But I guess yeah, not. you know. Yeah, we, we, we don't, but you know, that's an interesting point because it used to be just be sudden death, so there was there was no reason. But right. uh yeah, that's a good point. There was another interesting quirk to the layout in that the seventeenth green was sort of at intersection with the back tee on eighteen, correct? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if that was one of the holes. I know uh, the most of the interaction was on the front, uh, but it's possible. Okay, well, it's there possible was, that that was the case. Yeah. All right, there was one hole in which apparently there was a theoretical possibility of two balls colliding in midair. That's six. Uh, the uh, six, the par three, and I'm trying to remember what tee that is. I think it's the third tee, where the, basically the third tee was. Uh, Going, across, you know, six as a par three is a shorter hole, but mm-hmm. the three, the third, I think, tee box was basically teeing off from just left of the six fairway. Even though, like I said, it's a par okay. three, so it's not a not a fairway. So a uh, but a friend of ours, Jay Flemma, who writes uh, for yeah, an online golf Joe. publication, actually asked uh, someone at a press conference, one of the PGA officials, what would happen if that were to occur, and I believe the only answer was Jay. We'll deal. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. In other words, saying the chances are so infinitesimally small that we don't have an answer right now. Is there an answer in the rules of golf? There is. There is. Uh, but first of all, you know, the 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 especially at the tour level, the guys who are hitting on six, the par three, you know, they're waiting for the guys on three to right. to hit hit their tee balls and walk out of there before they hit. So. That nobody's hitting at the same time, but right. that is an automatic replay. I'm pretty sure if two balls in play strike each other while in motion, it's an automatic replay. Really? Yeah. For both players. Correct. Interesting. And you would have to be sure that they actually hit each other. Right. Right. Yeah. That- there is. You know. There, there's one ball. One of the balls is at rest. You know. You see that all the time. Like a ball guy hits a ball on the green. Another next guy hits, and his ball, while still still moving, usually spinning back on the green, hits the other ball. Well, the the ball at rest gets replaced to where it was, where it came to rest, and then the, and the ball that was in motion just plays from wherever wherever right. it ends up. So I'd say more realistic would be two chip shots around the green. Guys hit at the same time, and they roll up gently close to Correct. each other, and they collide, you're telling me that situation is an automatic, you have no choice, you got to replay the shot? Correct. Wow. That would create an interesting discussion. I called, <laughs> you, I called you from the golf course in, uh, in Myrtle Beach, I think twice. Sorry to yeah, interrupt. Yeah, two, two emergency rulings. <laughs> you were quick to respond. I always appreciate that about you. But one of them was the bunkers at the course, one course we were playing, had such loose and deep sand that two guys had their balls completely disappear in the bunker itself, even though we were certain that they had splashed into the middle of the bunker itself. What's the ruling? Well, they have to find the ball, right? So you've got three minutes to find the ball. 
Uh, and it's really bad luck when that happens and you can't find it. Now, what you can do is you can, and I talked to you on, uh, when, when it happened, you can use the rake to, um, you know, probe the, the sand, sand and rake right. it and, and try and dig it up to see if you can find the ball. And then if a ball comes rolling out, you just, what you do is re re recreate the lie as best as possible and, and, and leave part of it visible. doesn't mean it's visible when you're standing over it in your swing, but it's visible from any angle. Um, uh, and then you, it's just, so you kind of know where it is and then you, you can, uh, there's no penalty to do that and you can get redo it and right. you can play from there. That's crazy stuff. Yeah. We, yeah. uh, luckily the guy that uh, had it happen to was not really in contention. So he said, just go ahead, drop one, give yourself a penalty. And we went with that. We didn't go back to the uh, fairway for that. All right. What's happening in the middle Atlantic section as we now approach Memorial Day weekend? Well, this is the time of year we do our chapter championships uh, and our uh, state open qualifiers. So what, not what I would say are our bigger championships. But one thing I wanted to mention is we just had our big fundraiser for our PGA Reach Middle Atlantic Foundation. That's the foundation that runs our junior golf as well as our military programming, which uh, for us is PGA HOPE. HOPE is an acronym for helping our patriots uh, everywhere. So we had our big fundraising tournament at Baltimore Country Club, one of my favorite course oh, in the section, actually. Nice. Uh, uh, five Farms, the East course. Uh, we had 18 uh, very happy uh, foursomes uh, playing in the event, and uh, we raised about 40000 bucks towards helping our veterans and helping our, our juniors uh, in the programming that we provide for them. So... It's really cool, and if anybody's interested, they can go to our website at mapga.com and click on PGA Reach, and uh, they can find out all about our programs, and if they'd like to donate, they can do that as well. All right, very good. Uh, John, thank you for your time. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, and we're looking forward to being back in person together at Golfdom starting next week. Awesome. Look forward to it. listening to the Capital Golf Gang, a foursome of men with tight pants, tighter wallets, and vanity handicaps. Welcome back, Capital Golf Gang, presented by Golfdom in Tyson's Corner, the premier golf store in the entire Washington, D.C. metro area. They've got everything. I just got into my brand new Titleist T200 irons, and I took them out for a tour down in Myrtle Beach this last weekend, and they hit some sweet heat-seeking, pin-seeking missiles. Go to Golfdom for all your equipment and apparel needs. We move from Mr. Ghoul of the PGA of America to John Rodas, a PGA of America member in good standing. I trust your dues are paid up, my friend. Uh, the director of golf at uh, River Creek in Leesburg, Virginia. Good afternoon, Johnny. How are we doing? I'm great. How are you, Zabe? I'm doing good. So, what a finish by Justin Thomas to come from seven back, eight back at one juncture, and then win in a three-hole aggregate playoff. Did, in your eyes, as an instructor and as somebody who knows the game very well, did Justin Thomas make another major step up with this win on Sunday? Well, it's another major in his pocket. So, yeah, of course, it's another major step up. Um, you know, he's been fighting some things uh, mentally for the last uh, couple years. Um, 
you know, he had his incident where his sponsorships and everything were taken. He, you know, he looked deep inside himself to, to find out, you know, his love of the game and, and his balance between game and life. And so, you know, he's, he's gone through, as we talk about the tests, the tests that are offered in the game and the tests that are offered in life, um, as well as I believe he's married. Um, no, the last year. he's engaged. He's, not. he's, he's engaged. engaged. Yes. Okay. okay. So, you know, he's balancing all that stuff out. So, uh, yes, he did take a major step up. And at this point in his life, I think um, it's a new, you know, it's a new reality for him. And we'll see how he handles this going forward. And, and again, being maybe that guy again on the PGA Tour, which he, he certainly was the rising star a few years ago. Yeah. Like Jordan Spieth, he has a wants it badly persona. Unlike, say, Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson, at least outwardly, he and Spieth, they are like, I want it bad. And, of course, we know they played junior golf together. And now their resumes stack up pretty closely between the two of them. I think Bones Mackay was credited with saying to Justin Thomas, look, man, you got to be less hard on yourself. You're in the mix every week. Yeah, in fact, he said that to him on the range after day three. So they went to the range, and he was beating himself up a little bit, and he said that Bones had a conversation with him there on the range after day three and said, you know, look, you didn't play poorly. Uh, you're beating yourself up, and, you know, it, distractions hurt. So you distract yourself, and you're negative. You sometimes can talk yourself into being negative yeah. and, and playing poorly. It's funny because after having played a lot of golf, this past week and weekend, and watching the PGA Championship, I saw the pros do a lot of the same things that we do as amateurs. And I'm not just talking about the shank by Justin Thomas. I'm not just talking about the driver swing by Mito Pereira on 18, which we'll get to in a second in full. I'm talking about, oh, here's a pitch shot that I know these guys would put to within a foot if they were out on the practice green, and yet... Oh, it's now 10 feet short. Funny how yeah. that is. Oh, here's a putt for birdie that should at least get past the hole by a foot or two. And, oh, it ended up three and a half feet short and on the low side. Wow. I do the same things. They do, yeah. too. Yeah, because the game's hard. <laughs> yeah, it is I mean, hard. It's just, it's <laughs> and really pressure, hard. And pressure gets to everybody, which is crazy. Yeah. It, you know, Pereira said at the end when he was so gracious in his interview, uh, and he said, you know, I guess the pressure just is more than I can handle. That's amazing. Now, as an instructor, yeah. do you recommend that approach for your students to own up to perhaps mental or pressure failings? Well, I mean, it's it's human nature to, to second-guess yourself and to – you know, to say, you know, was I prepared for this? Of course, it's important in the learning process to own up to not not just a blanket, oh, I wasn't prepared, I choked, or whatever it may be, but what can I learn from this process? And, you know, honestly, most of the time, you can't learn anything. You learn that the more times you put yourself in a situation, it's like public speaking. The more times you do it, the more comfortable you'll be because you didn't vomit on yourself. Right. So that's basically, but... If you continue to vomit on yourself, then you really, really get into a situation. Now, Pereira probably, he might not be in that position ever again. But he made a mental, a big, 
big time mental mistake there uh, on 18, which I'm sure you want to talk about. All right, let's. Um, but again, let, <laughs> you put yourself in situations enough time, you'll figure it out. All right, let's let's get into it. Did you see Club Pro guy with the video mm -hmm. breakdown of the no. swing? No, but the swing was unbelievable. Okay, uh, I'm going to say, uh, make sure you can hear this. I want you yeah. <laughs> brace for it. It is pretty damn funny. I may I may stop it a few times to laugh and to have you interject. But here we go. Okay, guys, let's take a look at the driver swing of Mito Piera as he clinged to a one shot. Yeah, first of all, he, butcher, he butchers Pereira's name, I think on purpose, yeah. Piera. Got lead on the yeah. 72nd hole of the PGA Championship yesterday. First off, Mito decided to pull driver here like he had ice cream in the car. What's the hurry, guys? Hitting three wood takes double out of play and at least guarantees you a playoff. So I think in hindsight, a little more discussion with his caddy was probably warranted, but... Driver, look, he had ice cream in the car. What's yeah. the rush, guys? It's great. <laughs> okay, go ahead. In any event, he went with the big stick, and his setup actually looks pretty good. But as he takes it back. By the way, he's drawing all the lines, which really mean yeah, nothing. Yeah, he's just using the Telestrator drawing lines. You can almost see him going through his four swing thoughts, which were. <laughs> four swing thoughts. Don't yeah. go right. Don't go right. Don't go right. And holy shit, a par here wins me a major. Hit this anywhere but right. As he gets to the top and starts his initial move down, right on cue, we see the face start to fan open ever so slightly as he enters the impact area. At this point, you can almost see Mito mentally dial 911 in an attempt to save the swing. As yep. evidenced by this ridiculous sawed-off <laughs> finish, but it's way too late. And as the ball sails into the hazard, this walk to the left, coupled with crisscross legs and a vertical shaft lean, is a telltale sign that Mito just realized the prize money between first place and T-third is nearly $1.9 million. <laughs> <laughs> That is, wow. that is so savage right there. But tell me what you saw in that swing because I saw his head and upper body drop sharply, like yeah. really hunched down as he came through the ball. So most of that is due to tension. So, you know, the body start let's just start with the hands so the hands grip the club on the downswing let's just say he did feel like that club was a little bit open and most of the time it's going to stay open because of the tension in his hands and then at that point it's basically an inner seizure that you have i have it on every driver swing <laughs> and you start to say oh no there's only one thing i can't do now again if he had a different club he wouldn't have had to make that split second decision to try to save it and he would have just kind of swung it. It would have gone a little right. Okay, it's maybe blocked out a little bit, but he's fine. But then, holy smokes, the finish, he almost took his shoelaces off with that low left finish because that was just, oh, dear God, I need this thing to go left. I know the club face is wide open, and it's too late. I mean, right. it's obviously it's too late at that point. But it starts with tension, and then the body starts to slow down, and instead of rotating through, it rotates down. Right. Or pushes down, and then it's just, uh, what a shame. Yeah. Well, you look, uh, Mickelson on the 72nd hole at Wingfoot, 
classic terrible same thing blew it dead left which yeah. is, you know he's a lefty so that's the same dynamic uh knocked yeah. it off the concession tent made double yeah. uh greg norman fans a four iron right into the bunker in 86 with nicholas uh when he won that classic masters First of all, he was hitting four iron, which is crazy to think about, you know, the day and age. But still, a big fan to the right. So, I mean, this is something that happens to the greatest of players under pressure. Yeah. I mean, pressure, as as he said when he was chuckling, I guess pressure took over on that one. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. This guy, this is his whole life is set up if he wins this major. The rest of his life, you know, he's from Chile. He's now a hero. The money, obviously, the exemptions. The exemptions yeah. are unbelievable. And that's a lot of what these guys are thinking about. It's almost a guarantee. It's almost signing a guaranteed contract if you're exempt for the next, what, 10 years or something for the PGA? It's a big deal. No, lifetime. Lifetime because oh, Rich, that's right. Rich lifetime. yeah, PGA lifetime, and I bet you get a, a five-year for the Masters, 10-year for yeah. the U.S. You get a lot of stuff. It gives you incredible yeah. breathing room. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I still, I think what they say about Pereira is he's got major stones and he's going to be around that this will well, not he, ruin him. I, I hope, hope so. He does. But he also, let's face it. He also butchered it from there. Meaning I mean, he took his drop, took his drop. He didn't have much in. And then the putt that he hit, I don't know where he thought he was playing. He, I think he was thought he was at Algonquian on holes. The greens rolling at a six. <laughs> he blasted he it. He just by. blasted that thing by. He almost went off the green. Well, he probably thought. Maybe he did. He probably thought after that disaster of a tee shot, I got to get the ball to the hole to at least yes. have a shot. Tough deal it was there. Sad to watch. Okay, let's talk. Will Zalatoris. Uh, real deal. Uh, yeah, absolutely real deal. His record in the majors is stellar. Wake, so he's a real deal. I was Wake rooting Forest for product. Yeah. Young yeah. and wiry and is a, allegedly one of the best pure ball strikers currently on tour. Yeah, he's got a little bit of a rightness when the pressure hits. So he's done it a couple times. Um, so, you know, I was seeing if they talk about his ball striking, but like I believe in the playoff that he was in earlier in the season or last season, he had a little bit of the rightness coming down the stretch and then he hit one right on 18, but you know, he survived. He's a gritty guy. He's, I really was rooting for him. I'm not a big Justin Thomas fan. Uh, so I was rooting for Zalatoris. You know, I have my, my new wake forest, you know, connection and life. Yeah. So I really wanted Zalatoris to win. He's going to win a major. He, he seems to be perfect for a U.S. open. Uh, Zalatoris went viral earlier this year for a close-up of his putting stroke, which yeah, it's, it's, it's got, boy, oh boy, it's got issues. He goes, I think, uh, claw with a long putter anchored to his left arm. So he's got a lot of Band-Aids and duct tape on that thing. Yeah, and it, the, the putter looks like it's me steering a boat into dock. I mean, it is all <laughs> over the place. Why? It really is. But it's effect. I mean, like most of the time, he's a pretty good putter. Well, that's the thing. So how is it that players this accomplished can still have such struggles with what is a physically easy task putting? I don't know, Zabe. I do not know. 
to me, it's the easiest thing that you possibly could do in golf. And to pipe drives repeatedly 330 down yeah. the middle, and you can't bring a, a putter straight back and through? I don't. I I just don't get it. That's just unbelievable to me. Um, Justin Thomas, you said you're not that big of a fan. Tell me why. You know what? It's just that that sourpuss face (laughs) at all times. So uh, maybe that's just the the genetic makeup of his his face. But (laughs) you're like stepbrothers. You need to change your face. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, I'll just work (laughs) on it then. It's. It seems to me it's in a constant state of whining. I get. And he it. needs someone to pick him up, and you're okay, and you're good, and and he, then he you know, doesn't. I, he doesn't have Jordan Spieth's winning smile, and the joy no. to Spieth when he's playing well, right? No, and 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 I think, you know, I hate to say it, but I think the Tiger friendship. Oh, is not the greatest thing in the world for most human beings. <laughs> you think he's trying to be a fake tiger on the course, Mister Hardass? I know. I, I think he's trying to be a, a real tiger. But he said in an interview, I think it was today or yesterday, he's trying to balance, you know, the the social aspect of it. But the fact is, he knows he's got a golf tournament to play. And, and I'm sorry, but Jack Nicholas was not walking around with a scowl. He would turn it on for his, you know, minute and a half that he'd stand over the ball. But he could go up to a fan and say hi or something like that in between shots during right. the tournament. Right. You know, so it's something that hey. I think in that regard, Tiger has not been the most positive in that. In that, But let's face it, he won, and he's a great player. Uh, he's got all the shots in the bag. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have to like him. I don't know him, so I really yeah. shouldn't say anything. Yeah. <clears throat> but I just don't like the way he looks. All right, here's your uh, stepbrothers. Uh... Not bad. You're nailing it. Thanks, Randy. Yeah, it means a lot. Damn it, I don't know what it is about your face, but I want to deliver one of these right in your suck hole. Is there anything I can do to work on that? No, so you not wouldn't... really. It's your face. And I, again, you know, you're doing great, man. This is the Kettling Wine. Yeah. We're all having a great time. Everybody's having fun. You pulled it off. All right. But if you don't change your face, I'm going to change it for you. Okay. Okay. All I can do is take that in, consider it, and I'll just try to do my best version of whatever I think that would be. I, I don't even hear what you're saying right now because your face okay. is driving me okay. nuts. Thanks again. Oh. <laughs> so, so you need Jordan, you need Justin Thomas to work on his face. All right, we'll end with this, Mr. Ronis. Tiger Woods, WD, after the third round, uh, first time he's ever WD'd in a major. It got cold. His body was sore. Generally speaking, it's bad form to WD, but I don't think anyone really got on Tiger's case for this. It now really throws into question, what is his plan for playing going forward? Well, I think he'll he'll play in, in uh, at St. Andrews, <clears throat> which is a much easier walk. But Will he, um, skip, will think, he skip the U.S. Open at Brookline? I think he has to. I think he has to. That's a brutal walk. Yeah. Brookline. And so I really think, and you know what, let's face it. He's not skilled enough presently to, um, to play at this level. No, you're right. He's he's only been back for a short period of time. God love him. I mean, he's, he's really pushing hard and he's still, he's still obviously a, a, a great player, but he's not as great as these guys out there. And, um, again, I told you after the masters that it was, it was a bit of a Willie Mays look to me. And I just, I continue to see it after day one or halfway through day one 
we got limping and you know using the the, the crutch of the golf club i just i sit there and i say i don't want to see this i don't want to see it yeah it's going to be tough going to be tough cuz he needs more tournaments to get into sharper form to actually compete and possibly win but his body simply won't allow more tournaments no matter how much stronger his leg gets that's right that's right and if the, and if the leg is constantly in pain then it can be as strong as you want but if it's constantly in pain your brain eventually will favor and it just can't pull off all the shots all the time which is required to win a major you know yeah. it's not like you can just be average you yeah. got to be the best player on that week which is is sickeningly phenomenal yeah and these young savages out there they may look up to tiger admire tiger but they will eat his lunch <laughs> you know what the they're course. young enough now where they don't really know tiger they don't really care about tiger they appreciate him but they don't fear tiger at all they, nor right. should they the Tiger generation, they're 30-something. They're not 24, right. 25. Right. They have no idea who Tiger is. All right. I got to talk to you before I let you go. I got to yeah. get to you over there at River Creek for a lesson on okay. chipping off of tight, dirty lies around the green. In Myrtle Beach, as you can understand, there was a ton of lies around the green. Sandy, hard pan, because it's Bermuda and it's not finely fluffy manicured northern ryegrass bent grass surrounds right it's yeah. some mangy stuff and for guys like me who have a bit of an issue with chipping sometimes just putting it on the green from 20 feet away off the off the great off the green it's yeah. like a terror show and i had some yeah. really bad shots a lot of chubs a lot of bladed shots and i thought maybe i could take a hybrid out and just knock it along the ground yeah, yeah, and that actually lends itself to what I really believe is one of the curses of almost every player, and that is way too little of bounce on the bottom of wedges. So they stick into the Bermuda, they stick into the bent grass, we need more bounce, and then you can execute the shot and not be afraid of it as much. So um, I'll show you how to neutralize your hands so you don't get the lean forward and the leading edge and all that stuff. But I do believe that most people should be starting with a 12 degree of bounce on their club for those chip shots because uh, otherwise they're just going to stick to the turf all day long. All right. Very good. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, Johnny. Thank you for your time as always. Next week, I right, believe we're going to be all together at Golfdom, so that should be fun. Nice. Thanks, Abe. I appreciate your time. There you go. John Ronis, everybody, Director of Golf at River Creek in Leesburg. One more segment to go here on the Capital Golf Gang, presented by Golfdom Golf in Tyson's Corner. Stay with us. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang, Washington, D.C.'s radio golf authority for over 15 years. are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who will knock your lights out if you dare to ask for a gluten-free hot dog at the turn. We're back. Final segment here on the Capital Golf Gang presented by Golfdom and Tyson's Corner. As we get ready for the long Memorial Day weekend, I hope everyone takes a moment 
to remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom and this country. While you're out there playing golf, living life, having barbecues, and enjoying this incredible country of ours and all the wonderful people that are part of it. But let me just finish with a segment here of a lawsuit I couldn't believe when I saw the headline. Nicholas sued by Nicholas Companies alleged to have pursued Saudi payday. (laughs) Nicholas sued by his own companies, the Nicholas Companies. Oh boy, here we go. This from Jeff Shackelford at jeffshackelford.com. The love-hate relationship between Jack Nicholas and Howard Milstein has reached full ugliness. Morning reads Alex Maselli dropped a bombshell during the third round of play of the PGA. Nicholas Companies, owned by Milstein, is suing Nicholas for breach of contract, tortuous interference, and breach of fiduciary duty. The complaint was filed eight days ago in New York. Milstein is the owner of Golf Magazine, Golf.com, 8AM Ventures, in addition to the Nicholas Companies, which owns the Nicholas brand, and a bunch of other entities that Nicholas, you know, started. My first thought was, wait, Howard Milstein? I know that name. Is that the same Howard Milstein who originally tried to partner with Daniel M. Snyder to purchase the Washington Redskins in April of 1999? And the answer is, yes, it is. Same guy. Milstein and Snyder teamed together to put forward a proposal to buy the Redskins for $800 million from the estate of the late Jack Jack Ken Cook, but they pulled out when they realized they were short of the 24 votes needed for approval. Apparently, the league didn't like Milstein. So Snyder got a new group together backing him without Milstein and was approved, and the rest is history. Well, Howard Milstein didn't, didn't just go quietly into the night. He went about conducting and acquiring and building other businesses. And maybe he's been perfectly ethical all along the way. I don't know, but that name is the very same name. So we pick up the story from here. Shackelford writes, the most alarming allegation is that Milstein alleges Nicholas had to be talked out of taking a brand-killing Saudi payday. This is rich, writes Shackelford, since Milstein's Golf Magazine has featured some very suspicious Saudi SponCon style praise. SponCon would be sponsored content, SponCon praise, and a glowing rollout for a Nicholas design in the kingdom. But the suit also comes just days after Nicholas told Michael Bamberger that he turned down an offer to take the job now occupied by Greg Norman. Said Nicholas, quote, I turned it down once verbally, once in writing. I said, guys, I have to stay with the PGA Tour. I helped start the PGA Tour. Asks Shackelford, was Nicholas trying to get his side out before the suit hit? Or is Milstein just trying to distance himself from the Saudis himself after his operation flirted with the kingdom for a little bit of apparent sponcon. Screen captures from the suit itself are juicy to say the least. 
They include the following passages. Fortunately for Nicholas Companies and Mr. Nicholas, the company, that'd be Milstein who owns it, was eventually able to convince Mr. Nicholas to stop exploring a deal for the endorsement of the Saudi-backed league. The company essentially saved Mr. Nicholas from himself by extricating him from a controversial project that could have not only tarnished his legacy and reputation, but but could have severely damaged the Nicholas company's name, brands, and business. Not to mention Mr. Nicholas himself. The potential irreparable harm that the Nicholas companies faced had Mr. Nicholas's unauthorized activities not been abandoned has been highlighted by the continued statements made by the PGA Tour and various leading tour players and the substantial negative news coverage criticizing Phil Mickelson's involvement as a paid endorser of the Saudi-backed golf league. If not for the efforts of the Nicholas companies, Mr. Nicholas could have been pilloried in the news media for accepting payment for what could be characterized as betraying the PGA Tour. Wow. We'll see if this lawsuit has merit, but this is the first time in my lifetime that I can recall the great Jack Nicklaus, the classiest of the class, to even have come close to something that would make you say, really? Really? We'll see how it shakes out, but it was certainly interesting to read. And with that, that's a wrap for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Ron Thomas was unavailable this week. He went back home to Indiana. He's an Indiana boy at heart. He goes to the Indianapolis 500, sees friends and family, and absolutely soaks up the open-wheel racing that has gone on at that track for over 100 years. And we wish him the best. We'll have him back on the show next week. Thanks to John Gould, John Ronas. Thank you for listening. Get the Golfdom for all your golf clubs, shoes, bags, balls, apparel, everything you need under the sun. Golfdom is the place to go in Tyson's Corner. And shop online at golfdomgolf.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Get out there and play some golf. And we will see you next week. This has been the Capital Golf Gang on the Team 980. If you'd like the gang to visit your home course, send your inquiries to zabe at yahoo.com. That's C-Z-A-B-E at yahoo.com. Or visit the show page at www.theteam980.com. And for free swag, we're all an extra large. So yeah, thanks for the shirts. Thanks for the shirts.